podcast along with my uh, buddy Dave Johnson. We are tickled to have on the line with us and as our guest this uh, hour is Rudy Sarzo. Rudy Sarzo, the, uh, the great bass player who has played with pretty much everybody, but most importantly, uh, Quiet Riot. And, and Rudy, we, we certainly appreciate you being with us. And we know amongst uh, the bevy of questions uh, we have for you, the one thing we've got to clear up now is that you're going to be coming to Des Moines, Iowa uh, next week. Tell us a little bit about that and what fans can expect to see you and, and Quiet Riot at the Iowa State Fair. Uh, you know, that's really a really great question. What can fans expect to see us? And it's really interesting because we've been doing this, okay, this year marks the 40th anniversary of the recording of Metal Health, which means that last next year will be the anniversary of the release of the album and the tour that we did. And we open up for everybody. We open up starting with the Scorpions and then ZZ Top. We did the Festival, Iron Maiden, Loverboy, Black Sabbath, Judas Priest. And then we started headlining. You know, and one thing that is consistent with every show that I've ever done with Choir Riot, it's the uh, just going out there and on two principles, banging your head. And feeling the noise. There that's you go. The band is, yeah, that's what really defines the band. So, if you can expect a lot of feeling the noise, a lot of feeling the emotional what's going on on stage, and headbanging, because headbanging is very contagious. It, and it's always going to be, really, with the right kind of music, don't you think? Absolutely. Uh, we are the soundtrack of the headbanging generation, started with Metal Health. Metal Health is basically the manual, the album, to headbanging. And I got a little story behind that. I have a little story if you got the time. We certainly do. Okay, let me tell you how the whole thing came about. Uh, Randy and I, of course, you know you know, Randy left Quiet Riot to join Ozzy Osbourne, then later on when they were looking for a bass player, Randy recommended me, I got the gig, and we started touring together. One thing that we would do, Randy and I, living in, in Los Angeles, uh, Randy was born and raised there, Quiet Rider was a, really a local L.A. band, is that in between the Randy Rose version of Quiet Riot and the Metal Health version of Quiet Riot, Kevin Dubrow had a band called Dubrow, and he had like many different musicians going through that, including myself. I was playing with, with Kevin and Dubrow, and I was living with him right before I joined Ozzy. So... Randy and I, we used to come back to L.A., and as soon as we landed at the airport, we got a uh, transportation, go over to Kevin's apartment, pick him up, and go to Rainbow, and give him an update, an update of what was actually going on, you know, that we witnessed during our touring. And uh, Randy and I, you know, we mentioned to him at one point that the, the fans in England were so... They were out of their mind, you know, with the music. They would stand in front, you know, they would go to the edge of the stage and bang their heads on the stage as we played, this being Ozzy Osbourne. So we were like, you know, explaining to Kevin, and he's like, his wheels are turning. And then, you know, we go back on tour, and he writes a song on Metal Health, Bang Your Head. And that's where that term came from. So actually, 
it took Randy Rhodes to leave LA to go to England, write head banging music with Ozzy to bring it back to Kevin to say, hey, this is what's going on for Kevin to actually build that as a theme of an album called Metal Health that included Common Field and Noise, originally by Slade. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I don't know how many story. people... Uh, <laughs> I, do, do many people know that story? No, right now when they turn into your podcast, they will find out. Right. Now, is that... Do you mention that? It makes sense. You, you cover that in your book, don't you? Uh, briefly, yes. Yes, but I did not go into as much detail, in-depth detail as I'm going in this conversation. Because this is a, you know, when you write a book and you drop information in the book, you don't want to dwell too long on that. You just move along. <laughs> you mention sure. it, then you move along, you know, yeah. So how, now, uh, this Sunday, the last day of the Iowa State Fair, Quiet Riot wow. headlines at, at, uh, on one of the free stages, Tell us a little bit about uh, how far into the set list are we going to hear Feel the Noise? Well, you know, you always leave the best for almost last. So, come on, Feel the Noise is kind of like towards the end, and then we, we finalize with Metal Health. Okay. All right. Now, uh, are you guys going to hang around uh, after the show, freshen up a bit, and then come out and meet and greet the fans? Do you guys sign autographs, get pictures, that type of stuff? You know, currently, due to uh, the possibilities out there of, of you know of contamination with COVID and things like that, we're we're not we are not doing any meet and greets anywhere. Okay, you know? that's too bad. And, and and to be honest with you, most of the backstage areas are limited to the artists and crew uh, of of all the places that we've been playing at. So there's no like the I mean, there might be that other bands in a festival might do some sort of meet and greet in, in a VIP area that is away from the backstage. But it's, uh, you know, it, it's still out there. I am four times, uh, I have my second booster recently. And, uh, but if it, you know, if somebody uh, contracts uh, uh, COVID, you know, it takes the whole tour down. And it's just, it's a trickle effect. Sure. You can't tour and then uh, there's no show. Right. The promoter has to has to uh, uh, you know rush out there to get somebody else, and then it's not the same people in the ticket, and you know it it it, it, it gets messy. So we do our best, well, very very best to uh, to stay healthy. I, you know, that makes perfect sense. On the other side of that, uh, Rudy, Quiet Riot uh, and other groups that you've been with have come through Des Moines in the past uh, so often that it makes sense to me that, that you've done a lot of that with people here in central Iowa who have gotten the chance to uh, shake your hand and get a picture and an autograph. I know I have. When I was with KGGO, we used to have you guys come through Des Moines and and uh, sponsor your shows uh, regularly, and, and we were thrilled to do so. Uh, so Des Moines has been geographically a, a place you're more than familiar with, correct? Oh, yes. yes. As a matter of fact, I, uh, we can call it a residency. Back in the mid-'70s, when, uh, when I was in a band, actually, with Frankie Benelli at it, called Shatterstar, and we were touring the Midwest, we did a, a residency for a week in a 
right off the university, there was a kind of like a beer joint hangout. And, and back in the day, foosball, you know, that gay soccer tabletop game. Sure, absolutely. Very, yeah, very, very popular. This, you know, this is... This is when Pong had just <laughs> come out, of, and you could only play Pong in, uh, you don't remember Pong, not like sure. a little, you know, that ancient uh, video game, you know, that simulated ping pong or, or whatever. Right, well, one, and, of the first, one of the first video games. Yeah, so they had one Pong machine at this, uh, actually a beer joint. They, they served a lot of beer, and it, for some reason in college kids, I guess it was cheap. They like to, they like, they want to get a buzz and they want to drink something, so a beer, a lot of beer. And we, we spent like weeks at this place, uh, basically getting our, our, our set together and everything. So, yeah, I was, I spent some time in Des Moines. And of course, after that, a few years later, the Ozzy Osbourne bat fighting incident happened there. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you about it. You were on stage. When Ozzy bit the head off a bat at the Vets Auditorium here in Des Moines, uh, tell us uh, tell us all about that. Your memory of that. Some people uh, don't believe it actually happened. Some people, many people, don't realize it happened uh, in in Des Moines. And you were right there on stage. Tell us everything you remember about that, please. Yeah. Uh... You know, it's all perception. People that were not there might not believe it because it sounds so weird. Uh, that's the perception. But then, you know, there's so many possibilities. But I'm going to tell you the, the, the possibility of what happened with somebody who actually was there. Okay. So, you know, we're doing the show. And and during the Diary of Amendment, especially during that show, because by then Ozzy was getting this reputation for or oddity, you know, odd things would happen during the show. So, you know, I actually, I, I saw it first. It landed in front of me on stage, and I'm doing my own head banging, and I look down, and I see this crumpled, you couldn't even tell what it was, this crumpled bit of fur, fur it looks furry. And I look at Ozzy and point it at it, and I just keep hand banging, you know? So... The next thing I know, when we finish the show, they are calling him and the, in an ambulance to emergency. To uh, then I ask one of the, you know, uh, Sharon, you know, what happened? And he says, "Oh, Ozzy bit into a bat." And I go, "Okay." <laughs> this is like just just another day without me, you know. Okay, you bit into a bat. Okay. And then um, I took a shower, went in the bus, and the bus drove over to, uh, to the hospital to pick him up. They, uh, they grabbed my camera because I always had a camera with film. Film. You have to have film in your camera in those days, you know, 40 years ago, 41 years ago. Actually, 40 years ago this year. Yeah. And uh, so you, you have to, uh, you know, it wasn't like digital or an iPhone. Like everybody has one of those. So they, they took uh, photos of... Ozzy getting uh, his uh, rabies shot. So I started asking questions, you know, especially to Sharon, you know, she saw the whole thing. I said, what happened? He said, well, you know, Ozzy put it 
He, uh, he thought it was a toy. He put it in his mouth. He bit into it. Then he realizes he's biting into it that it's real. And he spits it out and it went into the audience. That's what happened. Wow. And they couldn't find it. They couldn't find the bat. So they had to give them rabies shots for a couple of weeks. And so we had these, uh, these uh, vials of monkey serum. Monkey. There we go. You know, today we're, there's this monkey pox going on. And now, right. and I'm telling you about monkey serum, which was uh, the the rabies shots that they were giving Ozzy back in the day, you know. Uh, and uh, we had like this little vial on in the refrigerator that said, "Do not drink monkey serum," <laughs> just to make sure. <laughs> we did not mistake that for a uh, for a snapple. <laughs> <laughs> And, and those uh, rabies shots, I understand, are, are sometimes quite painful, are they not? Yeah. It must have been, because in the photos that I saw of Ozzy taking the rabies shots, he was in, in total pain with this big nurse, lady nurse, giving him the shots right right on his thigh. He was sitting down and his, like, right above the knees on his thigh, they were giving him the shots, yeah. That's crazy. That's just crazy. Now, in, in, in your experience in touring with Ozzy, that probably wasn't the strangest thing that you ever witnessed with him, is it? Is yeah. there, uh, are there some other stories, other things that he may have done that, uh, that top that? I don't, I don't know about topping that because that would be a personal, you know, people would have to prefer something else, you know, or might prefer the... Uh, Biting the head off the bat to pissing on the Alamo. Oh, right, right, yeah. Yeah, so it all depends on the individual. I mean, there's, uh, there's plenty of crazy stuff for people to choose from. What's your, what's your favorite? A crazy Aussie. <laughs> when, when you toured with him, it, it, it's my understanding that the two of you uh, uh, got into a fight. There was some, some bad blood there. You, you didn't get along. Uh, walk us through a little bit of that, and then I, it's my understanding that, that you've you've since and long ago kind of kissed and made up, right? Well, again, it's perception. You know, there's there's so much misinformation. You know, I mean, anybody can believe something, and that's their belief. You know, I'm not here to argue with what you believe or not, but the fact is, for my experience, that. We never had any argument, physical or verbal, while I was a member of Ozzy. So not when I tour with him, but later on, uh, when you know when I was back with Choir Riot for the Metal Health uh, record and touring as a member of the band, then certain things, you know, certain things happened not directly with me but that was said in the press by other members. And uh, Ozzy didn't like what, what was said, so so he took it out on me because I happened to be at, at a certain place at a certain time. And that was it, but not while I was a member of the band. And then later on, yeah, everything is fine. So good. Okay, all right. With, with uh, uh, and we mentioned a moment ago, COVID and, and, and what have you. Uh, talk a little bit about what you've done uh, yourself and career-wise 
while the pandemic was going on and you were like the rest of us kind of locked down uh, there in Los Angeles, right, is where you live, correct? Yes, I live in Los Angeles. All right, so what were you doing the year or two then that, that, uh, you know, tours weren't happening and and, uh, were you just being creative and writing? And I I know you and your wife are are very charitable-minded, especially when it comes to animals. So uh, talk a little bit about that. Talk a little bit, though, about what you've done while, you know, the country was kind of shut down. Well, the country was very, very much shut down, especially here where I live in Los Angeles County. And, uh, I mean, we were one of the last places to lift the mask mandate. And uh, so I I got used to it. You know, when I'm home, I, I usually stay home, so I did not really do much different than when I'm, when I'm home. And I'm home during the week, and on the weekends I tour. So, of course, during the pandemic, there was no touring, but... I, I recorded on many projects that I would, you know, get through the through uh, the computer. A lot of uh, I have my own show on Monsters of Rock Radio called uh, Six Degrees of Sarzo. So, so many many of my uh, musician friends were available for to do the show on Zoom, and so I was always busy. And also, I got I, on, on YouTube. I started, uh, you know, there's certain uh, academic programs that I, I don't know if it's the school itself or the professor that actually has a decision on it or not. But uh, I found a few professors that would actually set up a camera in their classes. Of course, they were not having classes, but they were doing it they, since since classes were online. They were actually showing previous curriculum because he basically teaches the same thing over and over again. You know, like if you're in the first first year of music theory, he's going to teach that class who is there for the first year of music theory the same academia, the same curriculum, right? Okay. So I was able to like instead of be, and I'm sure I was not the only one because it was you know you didn't even have to sign up. You just went over to a certain page. And, and there you go. You you access this information. So I studied music. I got deeper into my music theory uh, from many angles, not just as a bass player, but also as a uh, melodic instrument, treble clef. And um, so let's see what else I do. Oh yeah, I got heavily uh, another thing that I'm actually studying even more now uh, than music because I can always practice music. Music is always in the, 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 the core of my being. But I, but I wanted to learn more about quantum physics. So I've been studying a lot about that. And there's so many branches and so many rabbit holes to go deeper into. And they'll wind up in one place. It's just a path, different path to the quantum field, basically. And wow. so that's what I've been doing. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you could be on Jeopardy here anytime and, and, uh, and handle yourself pretty well. Yeah. That's all right. I, I, I've watched Jeopardy a couple of times, and it's like, eh, that's okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm not that guy. Because, you know, with Jeopardy, you have to, there's a lot of, uh, um, you know, information that is not, you know, there's a, a lot of bits and pieces about, about everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, I'm not I that would guy. Do, I, 
I enjoy watching it, but there's very few questions I can answer correctly on it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, based, based uh, our guest this uh, half hour is Rudy Sarzo, bass player for Quiet Riot, going to be at the Iowa State Fair this coming Sunday, the last day of the fair. And he's already talked a little bit about uh, what we can expect from the show. Uh, but and, and you've already talked a little bit about what you did during the, the, the pandemic. Uh, what other kinds of things does Rudy Sarzo have in mind? You're, you know, like the rest of us, you're getting older every day. Uh, it makes sense. Most people uh, our age now are retired, but not you. You're still out there headbanging, like you said, and making people happy and making them headbang as well. What have you got left you want to do? Uh, you you could be a retired multimillionaire, and yet you still get out there and and play music. What, what else is there for you to do? Well, I, I'll give you an example. One of the wealthiest musicians in the entertainment industry is still writing a song a day, as he claims, which his name is Paul McCartney, and he still goes on tour, from in front of thousands of people. Why? Because to us, Music is oxygen, and without that, we die. Okay. All right. So, can we expect you to? Uh, can we expect to hear some new stuff? Perhaps some new things you've written this Sunday at the Iowa State Fair. Yeah, there's some new stuff in the future, but on this tour, we're celebrating the making of Metal Health. So, a lot of the material comes from that record. Wow. Now, uh, like every band, and like all of us that, that are into the aging process, uh, we lose some here and there. And I know uh, you've experienced that tragedy uh, uh, younger uh, with Randy Rhodes and then Kevin Dubrow. And, and unfortunately, we've lost a, a good many rock stars. Uh, Talk a little bit about how that's impacted you, and it, it, it makes sense it's inspired you to continue to do it, but you've lost some good friends along the way, haven't you? Yes, yes, and it's, uh, I've learned from experience that me sitting around, not doing anything about it, it's not going to bring anybody back. That is a, that's a, that's a fact. But I can go on, on stage, and I've had this conversation even with Frankie Bonelli. It's in the documentary. You know, now you're here, there's no way back. It's a Quiet Riot documentary. And we talk about it, and I told Frankie if, uh, and I was, I was basically talking about him and Kevin DeBrow. Kevin, at the time, of Frankie felt, he felt sad about continuing Quiet Riot without Kevin. And I told him, listen, if you don't celebrate your friend's memory, nobody else will. Which is the reason why I took my own advice that I gave Frankie Benelli, and I embraced it. And I said, you know what? If I do not celebrate the legacy of Quiet Riot and the memory of Frankie Benelli, Kevin DeGrow, and Randy Rhodes, nobody else will. Not, not like I can. Because... Let's say Frankie Benelli, before I recorded with him, you know, the Metal Health record, 
I have been playing with Frankie for 10 years on and off. We, we started playing together in Florida in 1972. I met him 1972, November 18th, my birthday. And uh, so we had like a long, I mean, we have been touring, like I mentioned, we toured in the Midwest, including Des Moines and all of that. Okay, with, with Kevin DeBro, I have been playing with him, not only in the Randy Rose version of the band, but also in DeBro and living with him. And with Randy Rose, I'm the only musician that got to play with Randy in both Quiet Riot and Ozzy. So how I can celebrate their memory and, the, and their legacy, I think it's, it's, it's very, very qualified. Sure. And unlike anybody else, uh, Ken, as you said, that's, that's amazing. And, and it's a, it is a great tribute because, like you said, nobody else is going to be able to do it like you can. That's perfect. Yeah, exactly. Oh, me, you know, we always welcome for other people to do that. Of course, of course. But, uh, but when I was asked, uh, after, after Frankie passed away, that it was Frankie's wish, uh, Regina, his, his wife told me that it was Frankie's wish for me to come back to the band. I, you know, it, I, I, I was playing in, in, in another band, but I knew that sooner or later I had to come back. I knew it. I, ju I, I just knew it. It was just a matter of when this happened in 2020, right in the middle of, uh, of COVID. You know, I, I, I haven't had a shot yet, even at that, at that moment, you know, a, a COVID shot, immunization. So it was kind of like, it was a lot of questioning and doubts, you know, about when things are going to happen and, and so on. So when the time was right, I, I came back into the band. Well, and we're thrilled you did. Uh, yeah, me too. Me too. I I am so blessed. I am so blessed to be to be back home. And to have had the kind of longevity that you've enjoyed and will continue to enjoy. I I just I I just salute you in your career. Rudy Sarzo is our guest. Uh, Rudy, when unfortunately when that time comes. Uh, because nobody gets out alive. Uh, what do you want to be best remembered for? I don't know. I'm looking for something really massive <laughs> to do, to accomplish. <laughs> so I might be remembered for something. Uh, I'm working on it. I'm well, we we uh, we hope it takes forever for that to happen, and when it does, that you are even more so than than right now you know you've made so many contributions to the world of music that it would be uh, difficult for me to think that you wouldn't be remembered vividly and with a lot of love from a good many of uh, your head-banging fans now uh, let's get off of that topic let me let me ask you to talk about uh, the beginnings you because a lot of people uh, may not know where your your history is uh, as a uh, a Cuban uh, born immigrant to this country and how you got started and and where it all began and we got two yeah. minutes left before the 30 minutes okay. is up yeah I mean I, yeah yeah I can take care of this question no, no problem uh, well actually I, I'm not an immigrant I'm a refugee which is very different. Uh, when you're a refugee, you're running away from a political situation. And uh, 
when you're an immigrant, you're just look, looking for a better life, an opportunity. So we just, you know, our, we were running away from communism <laughs> in 1961, you know, so during the Cold War. So it was, it's, it's, it's a whole different thing. And, I, and, and I'm being specific because there's no turning back. When you leave Cuba in 1961, you, you're not thinking, well, I'm going to go to the United States and see if it works out. No, there's no going back. So right. that puts you in, in a whole different uh, situation. You know you have to assimilate. You know you have to adapt. You know you have, you, you have to start all over again, especially for my from my parents, you know, if you're an immigrant, you can always, okay, well, it didn't work out here. I, I, I gave it a, a couple of months and I didn't get a job and I'll go back to my country and continue whatever I was doing, you know, but not as a refugee. We, we walked away, we left our, our apartment in Havana, like we had, like if we were going out for the weekend, we could not tell our relatives that we were leaving because of that, uh, you know, you did not do that then. You know, you just get up and went, and then you send him a, send him a, a letter. I'm in, my, you know, I'm, I left Cuba and explained why. So, um, so it, it, but really, so, you know, here I am in this country from 1961. I experienced a lot of things. I experienced everything from, from uh, Kennedy being assassinated to the Beatles playing when I saw them and then jumping into this whole rock and roll Rock and roll really united my generation. And I got to tell you, we were in Miami and we were relocated because we were, we, there were not enough jobs to sustain the influx of, uh, of uh, refugees that were coming to Miami from, from Cuba. Uh, it was not as industrialized and, and uh, built up as it, as it is today in Miami. I think, you know, 60 years ago, it was a whole different, different Miami. And go ahead, go ahead, Dave. Okay. Right. Let me know when I when go I go ahead. Continue. Just finish the story. Okay. okay. So we were relocated to West New York, New Jersey, and when I got there, uh, you know there were different neighborhoods. A block, every block had, was a a uh, a uh, an ethnic ethnic uh, collective, basically. You know, like. Italians lived like in this block or two blocks and the Irish and the Germans and the Jewish and, and very little Latino at the time. So in school, it was basically like that. I'm talking right before the Beatles. Okay. In school, they, the, the Italians hang out together and the Germans and so on. Right. The day after the Beatles play on Ed Sullivan, all the kids, I would say 95%, comb their hair forward, which means we are a tribe now. And now all of the different ethnicities were communicating with each other because we had, we finally had a commonality, which was music. And that changed everything for, for my generation. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it was just that quickly. After seeing the Beatles, you combed your hair different and you picked up a bass guitar, right? Well, it took me a while, but eventually, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the yada, yada, yada version of it. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Rudy, let me, I know we're running low on time here, uh, so I appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, with that, you just discussed and, and how you and your family brought you from Cuba to the United States. What, 
and, and one of the biggest issues going on in this country now is the immigration situation down in the Southwest. How, as a, a, a an immigrant or a refugee, as you said, how does that make you feel about the Mexicans that are wanting to come across and come into the United States? Well, I can only give, give you, again, my perception of my what my family experience. I cannot even begin to tell you or give you a uh, my feelings about what other people go through. But I can tell you what my family went through, and that's my only reference. We spent uh-huh. about a year, year and a half, waiting for a, to find a sponsor. Somebody will claim us from the United States, and then that starts the visa. You know, we have to wait for a visa. We have to wait for, of course, to get our passports. I still have my, my Cuban passport. And, uh, and, and, the visa, and, and, and the tickets, you know, so you have to line everything up. You know, it took us a year and a half to come into this country Legally, just like everybody else that goes through the same, uh, you know, getting the documentation and the paperwork and everything. Now, that was my parents' decision. That's my reference. I know that there's a lot of people who are, are, you know, coming, crossing the border illegally because I travel around the world. If I try, if I land, if I want to go to Canada to see a friend, or even to, I, I, I do benefits in Canada. So we have a charity band called ba- Bank, so Benevolent Artists National Charity. And every time I go and perform for charity in Calgary, I have to bring in documents explaining how long I'm going to be there and when I'm leaving, and all of that. Why am I there? You know. So it's and, I, and that's me going into Canada. You know, so I, I, ex, I experienced this all over the world. I mean, I can tell you a story, you know, of what it's like in South America to go from Argentina to Chile back to, back to Argentina to go through to Tierra del Fuego, because I've been there in a bus, you know. So it, it's not, it, the United States is not the only country that has borders. Everybody does. Now, it's, right. it's now, now because of the, of the, of the European Union, Yes, it's easier to travel from France to whatever other country borders it, you know, Italy, uh, whatever, Spain. Yeah, I don't have the map in front of me. But yeah, you go like that because it's all part of the same currency, the euros and all of that, right? The the uh, the European common common market, uh-huh, so, right? Commonwealth, Commonwealth. And in fact, that's not the case in the United States. You know, United States, we have the United States. There's borders. Canada has borders. I'm telling you, it's harder to get into Canada than it is to any other country I've ever been to. You know, uh, Mexico has borders, everybody has borders. Right. Well, I knew you'd have a, an interesting take on that based on, on your family and how you came to this country. Um, I, I really want to say thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, there's a couple a couple other questions I have. Let me, let me your your career is historic and it's lengthy you know your resume is just lengthy most uh people with the kind of resume and the kind of history you have do you have and i hope you do but do you in your home do you have like a trophy room where you've got uh photos and guitars and and just uh pictures of you and, and 
your career that you can go into and just sit back and look at all of the memorabilia and, and smile based on, on everything you've done? Uh, you know, that's a really good question. Most, uh, I would say, except for one, uh, pl double platinum, that is it's in a special case and it looks really pretty for a display. All my gold and platinum records, they're underneath, you know, in a, in, a, in a special room that I have where that stores all of my equipment. I don't sit down and look at stuff like that because it's always now. And now I... I'm in a different timeline or place in my timeline. I'm in a different place in my timeline that I was when those, um, those accolades were achieved, you know, getting platinum, multi-platinum, whatever. So I'm, now, now I'm experiencing now. And really right now it's, it's, it's very focused in, in, you know, in choir wire 2000, 2022 in our future, what we're going to be doing next year to celebrate 40 years of Middle Hill and, wow. uh, and, and my other interests, which happen to be quantum, you know, quantum physics and, and all that. Wow. Well, I, you know, it makes sense. You could open a museum eventually, you know, with all that stuff. Uh, and, and I know we, again, I, I reiterate, I know we've kept you over longer than you, you wanted to. And I apologize for that, but, I, it's just so darn interesting to talk with you. And I know with the limited amount of time we have left, I'm hesitant to ask you to pronounce your full name because I know that'll oh take goodness. us over the top. Oh, Tell our goodness. listeners your your full name, if you would. It's, it's my birth name. My birth name. Not what I, it's, not, it's not my name on my email, email account. It's not my name on my driver's license. Right. Uh, it's... Uh, Rodolfo Maximiliano Tarsula Yeye Grande Ruiz Areshamon. You know, in the, uh, it's just because it's back in the day, I don't know if they still do it, but, you know, being, being born into a Catholic family, raised Catholic, you get all these different, you know, you get the, uh, the saint day of your middle name, and then, then you get your mom and dad's lineage all through. It's a, you know, I, I think it was a common practice back then. Well, I'm thankful that I, I just get to call you Rudy. How's that? Yeah, me too. It worked out uh, for me. Now, I know we, we're yeah. way over on time. Dave, I know Dave is a, a stoner and a, and a headbanger. Dave, I know you've probably got a question or two you might want to ask Rudy Sarzo. Oh, I'd like to hear a little something about the, the, the White Snake time. I mean, I saw you in Des Moines. With Quiet Riot uh, and Girl School and uh, uh, Saga, uh, that was like when you were really hot. And then uh, I saw you with uh, Open for Quiet Riot when you were with White Snake and Cedar Rapids. And I think I saw you with uh, Blue Oyster Cult in uh, Riverside uh, Casino one time. I thought I saw you. Yeah, actually, when when White Snake opened up for Quiet Riot, I was not in White Snake. I, I joined White Snake in '87. Oh, yeah. You're talking about the 84 uh, Condition Critical Tour. Yeah, in fact, I saw that with uh, your friend Mona. Uh, oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, tell me a little bit about the time with Whitesnake. Uh, Whitesnake, uh, it was great. It was wonderful. I got to do a studio album, a Slip of the Tongue, 
with, with Steve, Steve Vai and the band. And when we went in to record that record, Steve was not a member of the band. Uh, but what happened was uh, Adrian Vandenberg, our guitar player, suffered an injury that kept him from being able to record. So uh, uh, Steve Vai was asked to not only play on the record, but to also join the band. And he did, and it, it was wonderful. And of course, it's uh, Tommy Aldridge on drums and David Coverdale on vocals. Rudy Sarzo is our guest. Rudy, I know we got to kind of wrap things up, but in the storied career you've had and with the number of different uh, rock stars that you have worked with and performed for, is there anybody out there that you want to work with and haven't and, and uh, hopefully will before it's all over? Uh, you know, actually, that, that I would have given you a different answer. But uh, about a year, year and a half ago, but now that I am in, uh, back in Quiet Riot, I'm saying, you know, it's good to be home, and I really don't want to take any time away from that. Of course, we're talking about then, you know, little outside projects here and there, but right now we're so busy. I, only, I have no time for outside projects. So I cannot even wrap my head around that, that question without telling you that it's all about Quiet Riot. As it should be. And once again, Quiet Riot with uh, Rudy Sarzo will be at the Iowa State Fair on the last Sunday of that fair, which is coming up later this week. And uh, it's a free show. All you need is the uh, ticket to get into the fair to be able to see the show. And I know there's going to be a lot of headbangers out there and eager to see it. Rudy, we are so tickled that you uh, took some time out. Uh, and I know you live in L.A. I hope you're not anywhere near all these fires that we hear about are going on out there. Is that is that the case? Are you safe or is there need for us to worry about you? Uh, as, of, as of this moment, there's no fires anywhere in that, I, that I'm aware about or I can see smoke. So it's all okay, good. good. Yeah, because I know that's not the case with a, a good many parts of California are going through that. So we're glad you're safe. You sound great. You look good. Uh, we're eager to hear you play this Sunday, and and uh, we just really appreciate you taking some time out to visit with us. My pleasure. My pleasure, Pete. My pleasure. If I let, wait, wait. I, uh, in the event, folks, and I'm sure there are going to be many want to try to keep track of you uh can you give us some social media outlets that would allow people to kind of follow what you're doing and what quiet riots up to yeah and instagram and facebook and twitter those are my main outlets uh, uh yeah yeah just check the rudy songs with the many many followers not the one that has like maybe 20 followers because <laughs> those are the fake accounts <laughs> Okay, all right. Dave, is there anything you want to ask our newest and best friend, Rudy Sarzo, before we hang up? Oh, just tell our dear friend, Mona, I said hello and thank her for putting her in touch with you and thank you for being with us today. Absolutely, Dave, absolutely. God bless you. Rudy, we love you. Thanks, pal. I love you too. See you Sunday. Okay, bye. Bye-bye.